Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern Time. They were continuing our reading in Chapter 4, The Root of All Evil, with uh, the last, uh, I don't know, two-thirds of uh, Section 2, Right Teaching and Right Learning. And uh, we are still looking for a volunteer to lead our remembrance of the lesson for the day, the top of the hour, and lesson being Lesson 39, My Holiness is My Salvation. Go through our list this morning. With us in reading, I have Lori, Karen, Robin Marie, Donna, Cassandra, and Judy. With us in listening, I have Harrison. So anyone else who's joined us who would like to say good morning or join the reading list? Patricia, listening. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia, and welcome. Remember what I'm doing here? All right. Um, this is one of my favorite parts of the day. Uh, turn to you, Lori, and ask, uh, do you have an opening you'd like to offer for this call this morning? I sure do, Lemoyne. <laughs> very specific direction this morning took me to Psalm 2 the book 40 prayers by Pyrrhalias Amidon a little tiny poem that goes like this my heart is your sky beloved there is nothing I need on the hills of your earth I walk upright and in the fields of your love I find peace you have made my soul a window and opened it to you you have taken away my fear and you've given me to know my home is in your presence and I will live in the light of your joy forever wow. you've made my soul a window and opened it to you amen
Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my great privilege. Thank you. I could hold that thought all day. Thank you, Lori. Mm. Okay, I'll do the reading. I'll go ahead and get us started. I'll start with 10 and then we'll just roll in the usual manner from there. Okay. Um... Chapter 4, Root of All Evil, Section 2, Right Teaching and Right Learning. Partway in, chapter, or, sorry, paragraph 10. Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless, <clears throat> it is pointless to refuse, excuse me, Okay, I'll just start again. Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless to refuse to tolerate change because you believe you can demonstrate that by doing so, the separation has not occurred. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego, and you have believed in a world which rests upon it. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. Lori. Um, so paragraph 10. Teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. It is pointless to refuse to tolerate change because you believe you can demonstrate that by doing so, the separation has not occurred. The dreamer who doubts the reality of his dream while he is still dreaming is not really healing the level split. You have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a world that rests upon it. This is very real to you, and you cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. 11. If you are willing to renounce the role of guardians of your thought systems and open them to me, I will correct them and very gently lead you home. Every good teacher hopes to give his students so much of his own thinking that they will one day no longer need him. This is the one real goal of the parent, teacher, and therapist. This goal will not be achieved by those who believe that they will lose their child or pupil or patient if they succeed. It is impossible to convince the ego of this because it goes against all of its own laws. But remember that laws are set up to protect the continuity of the system 
in which the lawmaker believes. And thank you, Lori and Karen. 11 and 12. 11. If you are willing to renounce the role of guardians of your thought systems and open them to me, I will correct them very gently and lead you home. Every good teacher hopes to give his students so much of his own thinking that they will one day no longer need him. This is the one real goal of the parent, teacher, and therapist. This goal will not be achieved by those who believe that they will lose their child or pupil or patient if they succeed. It is impossible to convince the ego of this because it goes against all of its own laws. But remember that laws are set up to protect the continuity of the system in which the lawmaker believes. Twelve, it is natural enough for the ego to try to protect itself once you have made it. But it is not natural for you to want to obey its laws unless you believe in them. The ego cannot make this choice because of the nature of its origin. You can because of the nature of yours. Egos can clash in any situation, but souls cannot clash at all. If you perceive a teacher as merely a quote-unquote larger ego, you will be afraid because to enlarging ego is to increase separation anxiety. I will teach with you and live with you if you will think with me. But my goal will always be to absolve you finally from the need for a teacher. Thank you, Karen and Robin Marie. Twelve. It is natural enough for the ego to try to protect itself once you have made it, but it is not natural for you to want to obey its laws unless you believe in them. The ego cannot make this choice because of the nature of its origin. You can because of the nature of yours. Egos can clash in any situation, but souls cannot clash at all. If you perceive a teacher as merely a, quote, larger ego, unquote, you will be afraid because to enlarge an ego is to increase separation anxiety. I will teach with you and live with you if you will think with me, but my goal will always be to absolve you finally from the need for a teacher. 13. This is the opposite of the ego-oriented teacher's goal. He is concerned with the effect of his ego on other egos and therefore interprets their interaction as a means of ego preservation. I would not be able to devote myself to teaching if I believed this. 
and you will not be a devoted teacher as long as you maintain it. I am constantly being perceived as a teacher either to be exalted or rejected, but I do not accept either perception for myself. Thank you, Robin Marie. And Donna, would you read 13 and 14 and maybe start with the last sentence of 12? Well, I will teach you and live with you if you will think with me. But my goal will always be to absolve you finally from the need of a teacher. 13. This is the opposite of the ego-oriented teacher's goal. He is concerned with the effect of his ego on other egos and therefore interprets their interaction as a means of ego preservation. I would not be able to devote myself to teaching if I believed this, and you would not be a devoted teacher, and you will not be a devoted teacher as long as you maintain it. I am constantly being perceived as a teacher either to be exhausted or rejected, but I do not accept either perception for myself or team. Your worth is not established by your teaching or your learning. My worth, your worth, was established by God. As long as you dispute this, everything you do will be fearful, particularly any situation which leads itself to the, quote, superiority hyphen inferiority, end quote, fallacy. Teachers must be patient and repeat their lessons until they are learned. I am willing to do this because I have no right to set your learning limits for you. Once again, nothing you do or think or wish or make is necessary to establish your worth. This point is not debatable, except in delusions. Your ego is never at stake because God did not create it. Your soul is never at stake, because he did. Any confusion on this point is a delusion, and no form of devotion is possible as long as this delusion lasts. Thank you, Donna. And Cassandra, would you read 14 and 15? Yes, thank you. Uh, Your worth is not established by your teaching or your learning. Your worth was established by God. As long as you dispute this, everything you do will be fearful, particularly any situation which lends itself to the superiority-inferiority fallacy. Teachers must be patient and repeat their lessons until they are learned. I am willing to do this because I have no right to set your learning limits for you. Once again, nothing you do or think or wish or make is necessary to establish your worth. This point is not debatable except in delusions. Your ego is never at stake because God did not create it. 
your soul is never at stake because he did. Any confusion on this point is a delusion, and no form of devotion is possible as long as this delusion lasts. The ego tries to exploit all situations into forms of praise for itself in order to overcome its doubts. It will be doubtful forever, or rather, as long as you believe in it. You who made it cannot trust it because you know it is not real. The only sane solution is not to try to change reality, which is indeed a which is indeed a fearful attempt. But to see it as it is, you are part of reality, which stands unchanged beyond the reach of your ego, but within easy reach of your soul. When you are afraid, be still and know that God is real, and you are his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. Do not let your ego dispute this, because the ego cannot know what is as far beyond its reach as you are. Thank you, Cassandra. And Judy. Yes, thank you, Lemoyne. The ego tries to exploit us which into forms of praise for itself in order to overcome its doubts. It will be doubtful forever, or rather, as long as you believe in it. You who made it cannot trust it because you know it is not real. The only sane solution is not to try to change reality, which is indeed a fearful attempt, to see it as it is. You are part of reality, which stands unchanged beyond the reach of your ego, but within easy reach of your soul. When you are afraid, be still and know that God is real and you are his beloved, son in whom he is well pleased. Do not let your ego dispute this because the ego cannot know what is as far beyond its reach as you are. God is not the author of fear. You are. You have chosen therefore to create unlike him and you have made fear for yourself. You are not at peace because you are not fulfilling your function. God gave you a very lofty responsibility, which you are not meeting. You know this, and you are afraid. And your egos have chosen to be afraid instead of meeting it. When you awaken, you will not be able to understand this, because it is, literally incredible. Do not believe the incredible now. Any attempt to increase its believability is merely to postpone the inevitable. Amen. Uh, Thank you, Judy. And, uh, excuse me. 
Um, yeah, let me just say uh, uh, we ask that you be on mute during the reading unless you're reading. And let's see, uh, it's time uh, to ask, is there a new reader who would like to continue with 16 and 17? The morning I can read, I think, they're doing some lawn mowing next door or cutting trees down, so if it gets too loud, I'll pass. Okay? Um, okay. Okay, 16. No, 16 and 17. Yes, please. Thank you. Okay. Uh-huh. 16. God is not the author of fear. You are. You have chosen, therefore, to create unlike him, and you have made fear for yourselves. You are not at peace because you are not fulfilling your function. God gave you a very lofty responsibility, which you are not meeting. You know this, and you are afraid. In fact, your egos have chosen to be afraid instead of meeting it. When you awaken, you will not be able to understand this because it is literally incredible. Do not believe the incredible now. Any attempt to increase to increase its believability is merely to postpone the inevitable. Uh, 17. The word inevitable, in quotes, is fearful to the ego but joyous to the soul. God is inevitable, and you cannot avoid him any more than he can avoid you. The ego is afraid of the soul's joy because once you have experienced it, you will withdraw all protection from the ego and become totally without the investment in fear. Your investment is great now because fear is a witness to the separation and your ego rejoices when you witness to it. Leave it behind. Do not listen to it and do not preserve it. Listen only to God who is incapable, who is as incapable of deception as are the soul's he created. Thank you, Mama. And is there another new reader for 17 and 18? Yeah, I can read uh, Lemoyne and Jessica. All right, please do. Okay, 17. The word, quote, inevitable is fearful to the ego but joyous to the soul. God is inevitable, and you cannot avoid him any more than he can avoid you. The ego is afraid of the soul's joy because once you have experienced it, you will withdraw all protection from the ego and become totally without the investment in fear. Your investment is great now because fear is a witness to the separation and your ego rejoices when you witness to it. Leave it behind. Do not listen to it and do not preserve it. Listen only to God 
who is as incapable of deception as are the souls he created. 18. Release yourselves and release others. Do not present a false and unworthy picture of yourself to others. And do not accept such a picture of them yourselves. The ego has built a shabby and unsheltering home for you because it cannot build otherwise. Do not try to make this impoverished house stand. Its weakness is your strength. Only God could make a home that is worthy of his creations who have chosen to leave it empty by their own dispossession. Yet his home will stand forever and is ready for you when you choose to enter it. Of this you can be wholly certain. God is as incapable of creating the perishable as the ego is of making the eternal. Thank you, Jessica. And is there another new reader for 18 and 19? Another new reader? I can read now. Okay, Harrison. Release yourselves and release others. Do not present a false and unworthy picture of yourself to others. And do not accept such a picture of them yourselves. The ego has built a shabby and unsheltering home for you because it cannot build otherwise. Do not try to make this impoverished house stand. Its weakness is your strength. Only God can make a home that is worthy of his creations who have chosen to leave it empty by their own dispossession. Yet his home will stand forever and is ready for you when you choose to enter it. Of this you can be holding certain. God is as incapable of creating the perishable as the ego is of making the eternal. 19. Of your egos, you can do nothing to save yourselves or others. But of your souls, you can do everything for the salvation of both. Humanity is a lesson for the ego, not for the soul. The soul is beyond humility. 
because it recognizes its radiance. And that sheds its light everywhere. The meek shall inherit the earth because their egos are humble. And this gives them better perception. The kingdom of heaven is the right of the soul whose beauty and dignity are far beyond doubt, beyond perception, and stand forever as the mark of the love of God for his creation who are wholly worthy of him and only of him. Nothing else is sufficiently worthy to be a gift for a creation of God himself. Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new reader for 19 and 20? Another new reader? Okay, back to you, Lori. Of your egos, you can do nothing, save yourselves or others. But of your souls, you can do everything for the salvation of both. Humility is a lesson for the ego, not for the soul. The soul is beyond humility because it recognizes its radiance and gladly sheds its light everywhere. The meek shall inherit the earth because their egos are humble, and this gives them better perception. The kingdom of heaven is the right of the soul, whose beauty and dignity are far beyond doubt, beyond perception, and stand forever as the mark of love of God for his creations, who are eternally wholly worthy of him and only of him. Nothing else is sufficiently worthy to be a gift for a creation of God himself. 20. I will substitute for your ego, if you wish, but never for your soul. A father can safely live a child with an elder brother who has shown himself responsible, but this involves no confusion about the child's origin. The brother can protect the child's body and his ego, which are very closely related, but he does not confuse himself with the father because he does this although the child may. I can be entrusted with your body and your ego simply because this enables you not to be concerned with them and lets me teach you their unimportance. I could not understand their importance to you if I had not once been tempted to believe in them myself. Thank you, Lori. And Karen, would you read 20 through the end? 20. I will substitute for your ego, 
if you wish, but never for your soul. A father can safely leave a child with an elder brother who has shown himself responsible, but this involves no confusion about the child's origin. The brother can protect the child's body and his ego, which are very closely related, but he does not confuse himself with the father because he does this. Although the child may, I can be entrusted with your body and your ego simply because this enables you not to be concerned with them and lets me teach you their unimportance. I could not understand their unimportance to you if I had not once been tempted to believe in them myself. 21. Let us undertake to learn this lesson together so we can be free of them together. I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. The soul is far beyond the need of your protection or mine. Remember this. In this world, you need not have tribulation because I have overcome the world. That is why you should be of good cheer. Uh, thank you, Karen. And Robin Marie, would you conclude with 21 through 23? Let us undertake to learn this lesson together so we can be free of them together. I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. The soul is far beyond the need of your protection or mine. Remember this. In this world, you need not have tribulation because I have overcome the world. That is why you should be of good cheer. Uh, thank you, Robin Marie. And is there anyone who would like to uh, read that conclusion again? Thirty, excuse me, twenty-one through twenty-three. I'm in. Thank you, Lemoyne. Let us undertake to learn this lesson together so that we can be free of them together. I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. The soul is far beyond the need of your protection or mine. Remember this. In this world, you need not have tribulation. Because I have overcome the world. That is why you should be of good cheer. Amen. Thank you. And thank you, Judy. <clears throat> All right, we're right up against the top of the hour. I'm going to try a very brief summary here. 
paragraph 14, your worth is not established by your teaching or your learning. Your worth was established by God. From 16, God is not the author of fear, you are. You have chosen, therefore, to create unlike him, and you have made fear for yourselves. You are not at peace because you are not fulfilling your function. God gave you a very lofty responsibility which you are not meeting. You know this and you are afraid. In fact, your egos have chosen to be afraid instead of meeting it. When you awaken, you will not be able to understand this because it is literally incredible. Do not believe the incredible now. From 18, release yourselves and release others. Do not present a false and unworthy picture of yourself to others and do not accept such a picture of them yourself. The ego has built a shabby and unsheltering home for you because it cannot build otherwise. Do not try to make this impoverished house stand. Its weakness is your strength. Only God can make a home that's worthy of his creations who have chosen to leave it empty by their own self-dispossession. Yet his home will stand forever and is ready for you when you choose to enter it. Of this you can be wholly certain. God is as, God is as incapable of creating the perishable as the ego is of making the eternal. In 19, of your egos you can do nothing to save yourselves or others, but of your souls you can do everything for the salvation of both. The soul is beyond humility because it recognizes its radiance, the soul's radiance, and gladly sheds its own light everywhere. The kingdom of heaven is the right of the soul, whose beauty and dignity are far beyond doubt, beyond perception, and stand forever as the mark of the love of God for his creation, who are wholly worthy of him and only of him. Nothing else is sufficiently worthy to be a gift for a creation of God himself. And from 21, let us undertake to learn this lesson together so we can be free of body and ego together. I need devoted teachers who share my aim of healing the mind. The soul is far beyond the need of your protection or mine. Remember this, in this world you need not have tribulation because I have overcome the world. And that is why we should be of good cheer. <clears throat> so there are a little bit... Thank you, Lamorne. No, you're welcome. <laughs> that seems to be a really good lead-in. 
Lesson 39, My Holiness is My Salvation. And uh, I'll ask one more time if there's anyone who's willing to lead our remembrance of it this morning. Lesson 39. I'll do it if no one else wants to. Okay, well, any other takers? Okay, well, it's to you then, Harrison. Today's lesson, my homelessness is my salvation. If I remember correctly, this is the fourth lesson that speaks of my holiness. My 36 was my holiness envelops everything I see. 37, my holiness blesses the world. 38, there is nothing my holiness cannot do. And now 39, my holiness is my salvation. And the recap of 39, the work of reads, since my holiness saves me from all guilt, to recognize my holiness is to recognize my salvation. It is also to recognize the salvation of the world. Once I have accepted my holiness, nothing can make me afraid. And because I am unafraid, everyone must share in my strength and understanding which are the gift of God to me and to the world. <clears throat> my holiness is my salvation. He instructs us that a full five minutes are urged for four longer practice periods for today. Longer and more frequent practice sessions are encouraged. If you want to exceed the minimum requirements, more rather than longer sessions are recommended, although both encouraged. Begin the practice periods as usual by repeating today's idea to yourself. My holiness is my salvation. Then, with closed eyes, search out your unloving thoughts 
in whatever form they appear. Uneasiness, depression, anger, fear, losing your brush, attack, insecurity, and so on. Whatever form they take, they are unloving and therefore fearful. So it is from them that you need to be saved. Specific situations, events, a personality you associate with unloving thoughts of any kind are suitable subject for today's exercises. My holiness is my salvation. Slowly, without conscious selection, and without undue emphasis on anyone in particular, search your mind for every thought that stands between you and your salvation. Apply the idea for today to each one of them in this way. My unloving thoughts about blank are keeping me in heaven. My holiness is my salvation. My unloving thoughts about blank are keeping me in hell. My holiness is my salvation. My holiness saves me from all guilt to recognize <coughs> my holiness is to recognize my salvation. It is also to recognize the salvation of the world. Once I have accepted my holiness, nothing can make me afraid. And because I am unafraid, everything must share in my strength and understanding which was gift of God to me and to the world. If guilt is hell, 
what is its opposite. My holiness is my salvation from this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Harrison. Yeah, amen, and thank you, Harrison. Yeah, Harrison, I really appreciated the way you moved from the summary to the lesson and back. That was that was lovely. I just uh, I just feel pushed to read paragraph four of the lesson. Your holiness is the answer to every question that was ever asked, is being asked now, or will be asked in the future. Your holiness means the end of guilt and therefore the end of hell. Your holiness is the salvation of the world and your own. How could you, to whom your holiness belongs, be excluded from it? God does not know unholiness. Can it be he does not know his son? Floors up Oh, thank you. I feel like singing amen today. <laughs> Just love this this part of the text and um, this lesson. They just meld, melt together on the way you had to start back at paragraph 10. Lemoyne was particularly helpful. And um, the idea in, in paragraph 11 that says renounce the role of being the guardian of my own thought system, and that I don't have to think at all that the Course makes the, makes the, um, the contrast between the th- thoughts 
or thinking of the egoic thought system. And it's so clear in this lesson, search out all your unloving thoughts in whatever form and all these, you know, lovely things that I, that I want to think about, <laughs> being uneasy, uh, insecure, depressed, angry, worrying, you know, all forms of fear in, in insecurity and inadequacy, you know, accusing thoughts and judging and condemning thoughts, all these kinds of wonderful, wonderful egoic thought system kind of thinking. It's like, yeah, let me just totally erase it from my mind. I don't have to think those thoughts at all. And um, how I'm saved from these kinds, my salvation is in letting the, that thought system go. It's just beautiful to me. Um, the the um, the idea of, of 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 the result of genuine devotion is inspiration, which was in the re- the reading yesterday, and I just love that line in the text. The result of genuine devotion is inspiration, and when I relinquish my egoic thoughts um, and and let Christ be in charge of my thinking. The mind, let my mind be in service of the spirit of the soul. How genuine devotion and inspiration, how genuinely devoted and inspirational I feel. And it just fills me full of joy. And (laughs) so I feel like singing, amen, amen, amen. That's all, folks. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Uh-huh. 
Particularly 11 and 12, paragraphs 11 and 12. What I got from it was my instructions, my directions for the day. So how I how I heard what was read was I renounce the role of guardian to my thoughts. I let the Holy Spirit and Jesus bring forth God Christ's thought. As a dreamer, I believed in the dream. However, I can and do choose God's thought system. Christhood is my goal. And then later it seemed like there was Jesus had a drumbeat of of not needing of relief of letting go of the idea uh, that the ego has to even be dealt with. I don't, I don't know exactly how I got it or where I got it, but it was that it was what he was saying to me was, you can't mix oil and water, or or you can't mix truth with error. Um, so it's there's like it's just not ambivalent. It's just clear uh, somehow that that thought system has to be totally let go of. I'm as blessed by this today. I'm complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. My holiness is my salvation. Um, If guilt is hell, and guilt is hell. I I love the, the reading in the text of the root of all evil because it's very logical unwinding of the ego's belief system in separation that I created myself and that I'm not as God created me. And that it's a, you know, it's, it, it helps me to accept that holiness is possible. But what I keep coming up against, when I um, was a child, I shared this before, you know, I was sexually abused very young. And then I went to a guru, and I had this beautiful guru who was so loving. But um, he wasn't into, like, touching anything dirty in terms of healing. So one day he took me, and uh, he warned me in advance to get a ring, and he married me to Jesus. Had a ceremony with flowers and everything. And he told me to celebrate it every year. And it so happened that that, that, that experience that day was, you know, I'm so poor. <laughs> but years after I left him, I kept thinking, the reason he married me to Jesus is because he wanted me to feel pure. He wanted me to feel pure again. 
but to undo that that uh, experience I had without having to go into it. I didn't want to go into it, talk to me about it, or you know, do any healing work around it, like the perfect thought band-aid. But um, after I had left him, I kept thinking, you know, it can't be a sin to be in your body, which is kind of what he what he was teaching me. You know, don't be, don't go there, don't be there, don't go there. And I was studying body work, and I felt like uh, I felt like this can't be a sin. This can't be a sin. And I went there, and I felt like I betrayed Jesus. I don't want to take too much time, but um, I went to this Omega conference, and Christopher Reeves was the keynote speaker, and he was in the wheelchair and, you know, very messed up. And he was talking about how they wanted to um, cut off his foot because he had these abscesses that wouldn't heal. And, you know, they kept giving him antibiotics, but it wasn't working. And they wanted to cut off his leg. And he kept thinking, but if there's a cure for my spinal cord injury someday, I won't have a leg. So he wouldn't let them do it. And I kept thinking that my teacher, what my teacher did was my teacher cut off my leg. He didn't want to do the healing that was necessary. So after I heard Christopher Reed speak, I thought, well, I want... I want to have a leg. I want to be like normal people. I want to have a whole experience in this human body. But all I ended up doing was opening up all that, all that shame and all that guilt. <laughs> and then, then on top of it, I mean, I betrayed Jesus. I was married to him and I betrayed him. I'm saying this out loud because I want to give up the guilt. I feel like my teacher, what he did was he he took me in and I was like this house that was condemned. And he said, well, I'll do the kitchen, the bathroom, and the bedroom. That's it. The rest we have to seal off because I can't deal with it all. I didn't want to just live in three rooms. And it didn't seem like it was possible that God would give us a body and then this body would be, you know, the way back to the devil. (laughs) Anyway, thank God for the course that the devil isn't real. And uh, I think I said enough, and thank you for letting me share that. Oh, your willingness to heal is so beautiful, Karen. I'm sure that the host of heaven is happy to hear it. It's just beautiful. Thank you so much.
Well, thank you for your powerful honesty, Karen. The deep uh, split you feel. The ego is the idea, it can be summarized as the idea of conflict. And so I, I appreciate the way you exemplify paragraph 10. That teaching and learning are your greatest strengths now because you must change your mind and help others change theirs. You have dreamed of a separated ego and you have believed in a world which rests upon it. the way the body must be in that world. This is very real to you. You cannot undo this by doing nothing and not changing. And I want to touch on part of 15, which I didn't get into the summary. The end of 15, when you are afraid, be still and know that God is real and you are his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. Do not let your ego dispute this because the ego cannot know what is as far beyond the reach of its fearful thoughts as you are. God is not the author of fear. I just want to thank you, Karen, for your courageous sharing of your of your feelings and your thoughts about the past. And I, I so have come to understand, and I hope this is helpful, that my feelings, the negative feelings that I experienced, are usually based on the negative false thoughts. And they're um, just a deeper a little bit more deeper, a little bit more hidden, but they have to come up and out for me to really see how false some of my old and fixed beliefs about myself are. And they're hidden deep in the body because we've hidden them there. We've suppressed them and denied them and ignored them because they were uncomfortable. So I really am with you. I'm so with you in facing these things there that are, are are difficult 
but they need not be because Christ goes with us and envelops us in his perfect love and his perfect peace in order that we may see the truth, that that we are the truth itself. Amen. I love you. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I love the paragraph 14. Your word is not established by your teaching or your learning. Your word was established by God. As long as you dispute this, everything emphasized, everything you do will be fearful. Particularly any situation which lends itself to the superiority quote, superiority, inferiority, unquote, fallacies. So encouraging to read Jesus' words and to remember that whether I teach or learn or both has nothing to do with my word. And the encouraging thought that my word was established by God, no one else. And no one else can affect, I can affect my word. And no one else can affect my word. That's encouraging and worth remembering. I'm complete. Absolutely. Thank you, Harrison. Yes, excellent. Thank you, Harrison. Uh, a phrase from AA keeps coming to mind, and it, and it comes from the first three steps, um, that I'm powerless over alcohol, but we can ap- apply this to alcohol egoic thinking. I'm powerless over egoic thinking because I made it and I believe in it and I think it's real. And the second step says that I will let him restore me to sanity, that there's a power greater than the ego. And the third step is that I will turn my thinking over to the care of God as I understand him. And I understand him as perfect love. And the saying 
that comes to mind that's just one of those things that people say all the time at meetings. I can't, he can, and I will let him. But I, the illusions cannot be corrected unless I bring them up. I can't be afraid, afraid to face my fear and my anger and my hatred. And that's what the holy instant is for. And it's always right in the moment. And salvation is immediate and never leaves me. God never leaves me. And that is what I, in what I trust and what I, I'm changing over to a new comfort and a new feeling of what keeps me safe and protected. And it's wonderful the way it works. I hope it works for everyone. Thank you. I am complete. Thank you, Judy. Patricia here. If there's time, there's an unfolding mystery occurring as I speak, currently unfolding, a mystery in total and not a conclusion as I share because it's just currently occurring. An awareness at 77. I found myself in a career Uh, First, as a mother, and kind of mothering everything and trying to find out how to turn that into a career, which then uh, went into uh, forms of physical therapy. And uh, the Course in Miracles got a hold of me. And so in my personal work, I'm doing the Course, and I'm actually... uh, at the moment, my memory goes to a point in this mystery of um, working as a secretary, kind of general manager of a chiropractic kind of holistic center. And uh, on the side, I'm I'm seeing that the doctors have this copies of Helen's, uh, you know, book, and so I get compelled, and, and I'm following this course on my own. And then I'll jump ahead to what's pulling me from that beautiful chair, the raw, perfect, beautiful sharing here, is that this um, career took me then combining, you know, in my personal life, I'm doing the course. And then uh, people come and they get on a table and I uh, work with how their bodies are are um, working with them and how they are working with their body. And it was a phase when it was a really big deal to find out the sexual abuse that may have gone on that causes 
a body to keep on having pain. So it turned out it was a time when most of my uh, clients had psychotherapy going on and there were, because of my mothering nature, I guess, you know, sharing their stories as we were doing the body work. And I found myself, you guys, saying for years, if you want to keep working with me, um, go complete that work or whatever. But um, this body says it's not ready for that story. And I didn't know why I was doing this. And it was very controversial in this medical center because I was this uneducated voice, a woman, a mother. And I was telling clients in that center when they would have appointments with me, in a way I'm going to confess right now because it's just coming out of me, you guys. I really felt their search to find out that they needed to uncover this abusive thing in order to heal, I said, no, it's the opposite of what you want to do. And I'm telling you that it was frightening for me to put put that out so strongly. And then the years went by. And the Course in Miracles kept going on in me. And the people kept coming. But then the ones that were coming were making incredible transitions. And I don't know how to fill in the gap here other than it was working beyond my wildest dreams, whatever was going on when they would land on that table. It was bigger than me. I'm 77 now. There was a time when it was bigger, so much bigger that I uh, I physically collapsed myself. So the patients, the clients were all like going through incredible healings and I was internally, physically uh, reeking with pain. So I went into a sabbatical period. And I just want to share and not take up too much time as this opens itself to me and anyone it may serve. Turned out, I just returned from that seven year. At 70 years old, I go off to say, okay, God, what is this? Why am I so full of pain? Is this my time to die? And uh, she said, no, honey. You need to know who was holding that magic wand that healed so many. This is going to be hard but really short and hopefully a follow-up because I don't understand all I'm saying. I uh, went to a body worker myself. It's okay, I've got to learn how to die uh, without hurting anybody because this is a glorious thing. So can you help me with the pain in here and uh, what it's all about? And then I was lifted to say, honey, you now are so full of my eternal love. I'm going to let you see your own childhood. You guys, 
when I was seven. I had to be 70 years old to remember this because God kept telling me for 70 years, all those patients, you don't need to remember that childhood until you get full of the love you are. And then at seven, I remembered three years of a unspeakable, unspeakable, I can't say, but everything that's been shared, oh my God, I went through. I thought I was helping my family heal. I did not remember until I was 70 because it was when I could know it was never anything that hit me. It hit a body. There was someone who wanted that little girl to die and that girl learned, that body learned what war and death and really incredible things were, but she was lifted from it. And at seven, eight, and nine years old, for three years, she held a torment. And when the morning came, she forgot it. And she became the one who just tried to make the world. She was a funny little girl. That girl, that memory, that torment was buried for 70 years until the soul could say, I made you to be the healer of everyone. And now you're going to know you're the same. Your body went through the same. You're not the healer because you got blessed. You're the healer because we are all blessed with what comes at the body to be released, to bless the story beyond any knowing. You came to bless it beyond any knowing, and honey, now, doesn't matter what the professional educators say, those women and men weren't ready until they were filled with the love that they are to love everybody else and go out there and hold everyone who is feeling the wounds. Hold them. Don't sit. You did that, honey. It's not wrong. Nothing's wrong. And it's such a mystery. So 77, now I come back from my sabbatical. And the the shocking reveal is that people are asking me, Patricia, you're back. And you have always been so strangely different. Why is that? I can say, when I was seven, For three years, I got initiated that I am different, and I will never, ever be like anyone else. I got spun into a world that now, towards the end, others think is a miracle. We can speak the miracle and hold everybody. We can do it. 
Thank you. That was beautiful, Patricia. I sure enjoyed that. Resonates deeply with so many things um, that I've experienced myself. Really enjoyed that. Okay, the silence calls Patricia out because when this memory came to me of these three years, when logic says, come on now, you've been a searcher all your life. How could you bury something for, for all those years? This, this, somebody made this up. This couldn't be real. You know, it's like a beautiful thing. And when it turned out to be, I had to accept something so impossible. I couldn't even talk to people about it. I mean, I have many family. No one. I don't tell anyone about this. Is that um, I can see the good parts that are coming, that it came out of it. It's only the good. And now I have a, a soul sister that I confessed that I'd learned this. And she said, Patricia, now I know about you. Do you know it's that kind of thing? You wake up every morning and you know it's a miracle you're alive. You live with a miracle. That Now I understand you. All these years, now I understand you, Patricia. And then I realized, you guys, it was then, when I was seven, eight, and nine, and then it was when I was ten, when we moved and police and things came and ended the story. I've lived my whole life knowing it's a miracle I'm alive when I wake up. Now you could say I live my life tormented every night that someone's going to come in that wants me dead. No. I am someone who has been given something I don't even earn or try to do. But I am now able to recognize the perfection that makes no sense. I wake up knowing it's a miracle that I get to be here today alive and free. No matter what happens tonight, I'm alive. And now my friends say they think that was the most special thing about knowing me. Isn't that wonderful? 
Thank you. That is wonderful. I guess I'm saying to you and me, we can go either way with our story. That was very beautiful. Thank you, Patricia. Hi, guys. This is Lori. And um, I'm just so enamored, I think is the word. With the with the knowing that our deepest desire is for God, and I hear that from every voice here today, and recognize it as my own desire for God. <clears throat> I also had that belief um, that um, the healing came in pieces. I think is is the nature of that belief. It seems to come in pieces. And um, and the belief was that, you know, until I healed my past and somehow integrated all of that experience in that story into my reality, I wouldn't know reality. He talks about it in chapter 10 in, in the section about God and the ego and makes a point of of saying that one can be hostage to the ego or host to God, but the two beliefs together can't exist simultaneously. But I had that belief that somehow ego or the idea of separation, injury, um, less than perfection and purity had um, somehow contaminated me. And so I too did some body work, (laughs) went to the body worker on the advice of my therapist at the time. And and the prescription of the body worker was seven days of total body Reiki. And I held the belief that, as she was telling me, if I submitted to total body Reiki for seven days, whatever memory was in my body that I thought, I'm going to capitalize that, I thought was injuring me, would somehow be released. And so I did. I did that, the candles were lit, the room was quiet, the music was beautiful. And I submitted to total body Reiki for seven days. The rest of the prescription was that on the seventh day, whatever it was that I harbored in my body would be released and I would become aware of it. 
and um, and somehow uh, gain perspective of my injury and how it hurt me. But the most startling thing of all happened. <laughs> I mean, I invested, I invested this prescription with a lot of belief. And the most startling thing of all that happened was on that seventh day when the candles were lit and the music was perfect and the light was great. On that seventh day, all I saw vividly, and I don't usually see visions, but all I saw vividly in my mind's eye was a giant book, a book with many, 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 many pages slamming shut. The book just slammed shut. And I knew instantly with that vision that there was nothing in my past that could ever shed light on my truth. Nothing. Nothing could ever shed light on my truth. And that reminded me, reminds me now, and now it's time because this is before I ever uh, found The Course in Miracles, but it reminded me, um, reminds me now of the fact that there, God wills, here it is, God wills that nothing ever touch his son but himself. God wills that nothing ever touch his, his son but himself. He also is married by virtue of our creation. We are married to God. God gives himself to us in creation. God gave himself to you in your creation, the work says. So what am I to do with this belief that I can be a hostage to the ego or host to God? One can be true, but not both. One can be true, but not both. And that's where I, um, where I really resonate with how you say now, Patricia. Um, because when I came to this, this call and I thought, what am I to share? What, what am I to share? It seems as though every miracle I've ever experienced was in that holy instant so long ago. But that is the point. The holy instant is eternal. The holy instant is eternal. That instant where I recognize my past has not touched me now is that mm -hmm. moment when I realize I am wed to God. And that is mm -hmm. my now and my eternity and always will be because God wills that nothing ever touch his son but himself. And I who am host to God I, who am host to God, would not be hostage to the ego. That's the point of this reading. That one is true and the other is false. People say, well, but I know it happened. Of course it happened. As you say, Patricia, it happened to this body. But that did not ever change your soul. Nothing can change the soul of God. He is and always will be, as he was created. He wills nothing but to radiate and shed that light forever. That's why right teaching and right learning is so essential. He says, you'll never rest until you know your function and fulfill it. What is that function? And Harrison, I just love the way you did the lesson today. 
These lessons 36 to 40. These lessons 36 to 40 are the, the essence of accepting atonement for myself. God's, God's will is that I fulfill my function, and my function is to see through my holiness, to see with Christ's vision. With that, I will be led to understanding appreciation and love of myself where is where is hostage to the ego there it's it's an erroneous belief it's just simply a belief that something changed me and I can release that he says if you'll if you'll hold your little spark just hold your little spark, your willingness for release. It will grow and grow and grow by virtue of restoring meaning to me, what it means to be close to God. In chapter 10, he says, you will never rest until you know your function and fulfill it. For only in this can your will and your Father's be wholly joined. When I will with my Father, when my will is joined with my Father, I am filled, filled now, right now, with the awareness of holiness. To have Him is to be like Him. He has given Himself to you. That's our eternal fixation. He says, you are eternally fixed in God. Nothing can change that. There is no belief of mine that can alter that. You who have God must be as God, for his function became yours with his gift. How does God see this? How does God see me? How does, how does Christ see me? When I let him look at me, I perceive that love. That's my reality. That's my reality now. And now, and even in my past, I had an experience one time, for whatever uses maybe, uh, of being shown my life in freeze frames, a rapid series of photos, each photo being a photo of, I felt so alone, I felt undefended, I felt unprotected. And I thought, I thought something was very, very wrong. Freeze frame all of those pictures across my mind. And in every one of those photos, freeze frames, Christ was there. Mending, healing, holding me together even when I didn't know it. I've always been held by Christ, the Son of God as he was created. We all are. And he wants us to know that we are him. He is us. That the mind we share is shared by all our brothers. And when I reach a brother with healing, when I allow my mind to see this brother as I see myself, I realize there's just this one Son of God. That all souls, all souls are always and ever have been united in that perfection of atonement 
my book is closed. It happened. I, I'm not going to change anything about it. But its relevance, its meaning is gone when I release it. He wants me to know that I can know the awareness that I am wed to my Father even right now and will be forever. And when that lights my mind, I radiate peace and safety. And it's the radiation of peace and safety. And I'm here to tell you that I get that radiation of peace and safety off every voice I hear. When we radiate that peace and safety, it's a magnet for healing. And that gives me the witness, the feedback, that only that's true. Only that's true. He says, the only way to heal is to be healed. And when I'm healed, I am a healer by definition. When I accept forgiveness, I forgive by definition. That old book that I had invested with so much meaning when I was hostage to the ego is closed doesn't mean it didn't happen it means it is no longer relevant to the truth of me and then I start to understand that my function is to see this world and everything every situation anything that ever happens to me through the eyes of the holiness that is the truth of me The guest whom God has sent you will teach you how to invite this knowledge back into your mind if you will recognize this little tiny spark and be willing to let it grow. Your willingness need not be perfect. I, this isn't mine to do. This healing is given me. Your willingness need not be perfect because his is. If you will merely offer him a little place, just a little place in my mind, and protect that little spark he will lighten it so much that you will gladly extend it and by extending you will begin to remember creation would you be hostage to the ego or host to God you will accept only whom you invite this is why God has made our souls a window and opened it unto him I will accept whom I invite you're free to determine who shall be your guest and how long he shall remain with you. But this is not real freedom, for it still depends on how you see it. The Holy Spirit is there, although he cannot help you without your invitation. And the ego is nothing, whether you're invited in or not. Real freedom depends on welcoming reality and of your guests. Only capital He is real. Know then who abides with you merely by recognizing what is there already. And don't be satisfied with imaginary comforters. Nothing I can do will mend me. Don't be satisfied with imaginary comforters, for the capital comforter of God is in you. I'm complete. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lord.
Yes, thank you, Lori. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me just ask then, do you have an ad- additional close you'd like to offer this call? Let's see, I think I had like nine possibles. <laughs> oh dear, this is great. There is no compromise that you can make with guilt and escape the pain which only guiltlessness allays. Learning is living here, is creating, is being in heaven. Whenever the pain of guilt seems to attract you, remember that if you yield to it, you are deciding against your happiness. You will not learn how to be happy. Say, therefore, to yourself, and how I talk to myself is so critical. Say, therefore, to yourself gently, but with the conviction born of the love of God and of His Son. What I experience, I will make manifest. If I am guiltless, I have nothing to fear. I choose to testify to my acceptance of the atonement, not for its rejection. I would accept my guiltlessness by making it manifest and sharing it. Let me bring peace to God's Son from His Father. Let me bring peace to God's Son from His Father. That's how the world will witness holiness back to me and complete that beautiful circle of atonement. Amen. Thank you, Lori. As well as the recorded portion of this call, but it will continue for most of another hour. 